The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello, and you're very welcome to The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, Florist Bronehart will be teaching me how to make a beautiful spring bouquet. We'll be finding out about an exhibition taking place in the National Museum of Ireland about the Irish chair, also known as the Sligo Tomb Chair. If you're dining at home for Mother's Day, Russell Alford, one half of the Gastro Gaze and Sunday Times food critic, is joining me with tips on how to make it extra special. And with about 7,000 Irish pubs all over the world, Jennifer Sheehan will be telling me how they are flat packed and shipped to all corners of the globe. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, we can be reached by email throughout the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Sinead Ryan 100. Now, we've a major event on this weekend, folks. No, I'm not talking about taking on England for the Grand Slam later today. That's for the off the ball crowd, but I'm sure we will all be tuned in. But tomorrow we have Mother's Day. So I'm looking forward to chatting about food and flowers to get you inspired, whether you're on the gifting or the receiving end. It's a kind of funny kind of a day because it seems to me that we have an event to mark nearly every day of the year for charities and books, women, festivals, film. I wonder has it all got a bit much. Now, according to Wikipedia, Sunday, tomorrow, the 19th of March, is also... Father's Day in Spain, Portugal and Italy. So that's not a bit confusing. It's the annual observance of the return of swallows in California. It's the earliest date for Maundy Thursday and the Day of Equality in Finland. It's also Kashubian Unity Day in Poland, which has nothing to do with any American celebrity family. And while we all want to celebrate our mums and dads and kids and favourite causes, let's face it, anything which involves a day off work, have we marked enough things with enough days to last us through the year? I'm waiting on World Bicycle Day or the Ferret Festival or maybe it's time for Home Interiors Day. Now, there's a thought. And by the way, the patron saint of homes and houses is St. Joseph the Carpenter, which is, you'll never believe it. On Sunday too. So if there's ever an excuse for a glass of bubbly, it's worth it. And you are very welcome along to The Home Show this week. Now, first up, it is, of course, Mother's Day tomorrow, one of the busiest days for florists alongside Christmas and Valentine's Day. And I am delighted to welcome florist Brona Hart, owner of Ginkgo Flowers and Baggett Street uh, in Dublin. And she has joined me here in studio. Brona, talk to me about this absolutely fabulous display we have here in front of us. Well, we have a gorgeous selection uh, just in time for Mother's Day for all the special mammies out there. Um, we have a selection of freesias and ranunculus, lisianthus, solidago, tulips. Tulips are a big hit for Mother's Day um, because they're a spring flower and some gorgeous scented eucalyptus, which I think everyone, when I came into the studio, could smell. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a beautiful gorgeous. smell. And, you know, I love it in a bouquet because it hits you before even you yeah. see the flowers, yeah. you get that scent. Absolutely. So Some flowers uh, don't even have a scent anymore, but the eucalyptus <laughs> yeah, does, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. So lots and lots of colour. And I'm seeing lots of pastels here. Is that particularly yeah. popular? It is, yeah. Um, the mothers would like, mo- well, they all differ, but um, there would be a lot of pinks and purples and mauves and, and white freesias and things like that. That would be a very popular selection. OK, now talk to me about the mechanics of pulling together a bouquet, because when Whenever I see one professionally done, I think... 
That it's looks magic. fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes it doesn't look yeah. too hard and then you try and do it and it's always very difficult. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about the basics. Um, the way we, we do it in, in the shop, we would start off with a greenery bunch. So I'm spiralling the eucalyptus as I talk to you. Um, and that will give us a bo- the bones of the bouquet. So then we add the flowers afterwards. Okay. So once you have a good structure with the, the greenery, then you can add the, the Actually, lovely Actually, that's important because sometimes when you take a bouquet out and put it in a vase, I always start with the flowers and then yeah. shovel in the greenery afterwards. That's, that's the it. wrong so do thing the opposite. to do. And then, okay. yeah, then it'll, you'll be shown off the flowers. Great. Any particular way to build up the flowers? People differ, but I like to put the larger flowers in and then I put some of the smaller filler flowers in afterwards. Great. That's the way I usually build up the bouquet. So I'm going to add the tulips because this is going to be a tulip posy. Lovely. So it's going to have a lot of tulips okay. in Okay, and first. you've chosen this lovely kind of pink purpley colour. Yeah. And are you a fan of kind of snipping the end of the stem to kind of allow you know because they can dry out a little bit they can absolutely yeah every couple of days really you should do that because that'll that'll add to the length of the time that the flowers uh, live in your house really and change the water that's probably the other most important thing I know this is probably one of your busiest days of the year Mother's Day and this week Uh, how does it compare to Valentine's Day Valentine's is just um, chaotic because it's last minute boys the majority, it's last minute, boys. Right. So I'm always panicking that I've over-ordered flowers because there's no orders in the book. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with them? But then they all come in on the day. <laughs> so they all come in on the day. So I, I go through a very stressful period right. around Valentine's Day. Whereas Mother's Day, there's a lot more ladies involved in pre-ordering. Do you think that's the secret, yeah, Rona? it is, oh, I'm afraid. I think <laughs> like, you're probably right. I'd like to say it's I'd not, <laughs> but it is, yeah. <laughs> A little bit of organisation and a forethought. All right. But the thought is there nonetheless, even if a little bit late. Right. Okay. Fantastic. So lots and lots of lovely things being added now. What's that stem? Um, This one's Veronica. So it's a it's a beautiful pastel um, shade of Veronica um, and it's a spray version. So it just means it has more than one head on it. So anything that's called a spray means it has more than one head. Like these guys here, they're spray roses. And they have more than one little ah, head. I see. Little, yeah. A little bunch, all of them. A little all bunch of themselves. all together. Okay. Yeah. Now, in terms of um, other things that people can buy, and you know what? I'm very conscious this time of year that not everybody still has their mum with them. And yeah. it can be a very difficult day. Do people like to mark Mother's Day maybe by you know, with a wreath or, you know, if their mom isn't isn't here anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, wreaths, definitely. Uh, we would we would have lots of orders, you know, because the shop has been open 10 years. We've gone through a lot of um, lifetimes with with the neighbours um, in, in around Bagot Street. So we would know of people who have lost their mother over the years. So they would mark the day either with a little bunch of flowers even on the table. So it's not necessarily mm. that they visit the grave or that. But, you know, we would sell some wreaths as well. But a lot of the time they just... They just buy something small to remember her on that day. It's nice you know? to have a centrepiece yeah. and, uh, if you're having yeah. a special lunch or something Absolutely. like that, isn't it? Because a lot of people yeah. have, have mums in their lives that maybe aren't their birth mother. It could be a grandmother yeah. or an aunt or a foster mother. And Absolutely. it's nice just to recognise that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, like, and it can be something just small—a little bottle of flowers, just to you know, as a token for the mm. day. It doesn't have to be an elaborate bouquet. And of course, plants are a big thing this time yeah. of year, aren't they? They're certainly absolutely. more sustainable, and and you get kind of the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We we sell an awful lot of plants, um, be it uh, little spring bulbs and things like that for outside for dressing up out 
outside your front door or window boxes and um, we sell lots of um, orchids as well they last for months mm-hmm. you know they really keep going so they're great value for money the orchid plants So lots uh, lots and lots of different uh, flowers now being added tell, yeah. tell us where you're going now with this So we've added uh, there's some spray roses in here now I'm just about to add some clematis so I'll um, just Oh I see what you do you're putting the stem in at the it. top and pulling it down underneath And ah, it's all going perfect. into that spiral under your hand so anything below your hand should be clean of, of leaves and things like that because that will make the flowers deteriorate much quicker so anytime you buy a bouquet make sure that it's clean stems in your water you know no leaves on in under the water and then All I go right. back add probably my favourite which oh, is the, the is that the freesia yeah. well you see you I love that be because it's um, it's got such a beautiful scent it does. And the eucalyptus that I'm using, which is super scented, it's from um, Wicklow. I'm now kind of dreading the, the next bit that's coming, although I'm fascinated to watch you doing it. And that's <laughs> tying it up yep. because you don't have a third hand that I can see. No, well, flowers are born with the secret hand, I'm afraid. So, yeah. Right, show you what you're doing. So you're taking, yep. you're holding it in one and hand. A long piece of string. With a long piece of string in that hand. And you are literally not Tucking trying it to... under. And you're not wrapping your hand up at the same time. Excellent. Nope. And then you can lean it gently against a counter or a table. You don't have to, you know, let it let it loose. I think that's what people are most scared of. So you wrap it twice, apart. put in a little knot, yep. and then you can wrap it to your heart's content. Yep. Wonderful. That's Wonderful. it. Wonderful. That looks absolutely fantastic. Right. Yep. Now, Sinead, it's your go. You oh, get to make a beautiful right. bouquet. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, let's start off with the eucalyptus then, because that's what Absolutely. you did. You you had these just spiralling around each other like that. Is that's that it. is that if, the way to do them? I feed them in um, from the left to the right. Okay. So one crosses over the other. Ah, the right. okay. Yeah, got right. that. Yeah, right. you got the okay, spiral. Super. Right. Uh, and so another one. Right. Down. Okay. So I have a spiral there and they're all crossing each other that's at it. the top. And one more. And, and one more. And then you're onto the flowers. And we're going to go with the tulips again because they're so pretty. Now, they're, they can be a little bit floppy, the old tulips. So can, how do I make sure now I feed these in? We're just putting them and around, are we? You, you can't exactly. Okay. You're going into that right. spiral again. In around. Yeah. Oh, you're I'm keeping them out. Sure. I, I'm trying to keep the little heads out because, you, you, you know, you like to okay. see them in. Over time now, they'll start That's to grow great. and they'll get longer. So you, Oh, I see, of they, course. They yeah, because they'll the open up. Yeah. And... The lovely the, little spray it's roses. Of, it's hard to keep everything in one place, isn't it? it I'm is. going from hand to hand to hand. You didn't do that at all. You kept it all in one hand. I okay. might have made one or two. Right, okay. <laughs> right, so what's next? Um, you can pop in the little spray roses. Spray roses. So you yep. did this by popping them in the middle. Is that what I, did, I do? Yeah, or if will you I... feed them gently oh, down through the centre, oh, okay. they'll, they'll oh, slip in. I'll actually keep that tip for the future. Oh, right. Hang on now. So yeah, she... you sometimes have to loosen right. it up a little wee bit. Okay, now. there we go. And then the other one we'll put on the other side. Well, do you know what? Yeah. That doesn't look too nope. bad at all. Not Very bad. acceptable. Okay. Now, Very okay. acceptable. Coming to the hard bit now. <laughs> now, the tying, yeah. This so, is where you get your third hand. Okay. Right. Um, what we definitely don't want to happen now is this, no. whatever this arrangement is, falling apart. So any particular place on the stem that I um, need to do just it. Just where your, your finger where is. I am. Yeah, so exactly where it is. I'm turning this around. Okay. And, and yep. we put it and down. And then you can lean it gently. Ah, yeah. okay, okay. Look at that now. Look at that on the spirals. Perfect. There we go. Are you sure oh, you haven't sure. done Listen, this before? <laughs> if this job doesn't work out, this old home show gig, do you know what? Well, we're very I'll busy tomorrow for Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> you can pop in. Wonderful. So Brilliant. there we go. Yeah. I mean, maybe first spiral, not okay. the most secure, but it looks it looks absolutely beautiful. But that's thanks to your flowers rather than anything I did. <laughs> Brown hard, thanks. <laughs> Thanks a million for showing me how to do that. No problem at all. Now, where can people find out more about uh, you and flowers and all of that if they haven't yet got around to it? Well, they can give us a ring. We love people to pop in as well. We're on Bagot Street, um, just out of town. And um, they can visit our website or Facebook and Instagram.
Okay, and that's Ginkgo Florist. G-I-N-K-G-O. That's it. Uh, florist. And you'll people. see <laughs> all of the fabulous uh, bouquets and stems and all of that there. You're listening to The Home Show Podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. You can get in touch with me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100 or the show at thehomeshow at newstalk.com by email. Now, every house has lots of them in them of all shapes and sizes. But have you ever really thought about the origins of the humble chair and in particular the Irish chair? Well, joining me now uh, with a new exhibition that has been showcased in Castlebar is Davin Larkin, designer and furniture design lecturer at ATU Connemara. Uh, Davin, you're very welcome along to the home show this morning. Thanks for having me, Sinead. Delighted to be here to talk about our project. Now, this project is, um, I suppose, a showcase of different designers and students that you have designing around the Irish chair. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know there was an Irish chair. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, Yeah, I suppose we we aren't maybe known worldwide for having maybe a furniture heritage, but there is, we do have a lot of, I suppose, vernacular furniture that has developed over time in Ireland um, through various craftspeople um, around the country and, and the style would have developed depending on the locality that you lived in. And So there is a, an old Irish chair which is commonly known I suppose as the Sligo chair to some people or the Tomb chair to some people and, and that relates to where the chair was actually made. And so <clears throat> that chair would be familiar to people I suppose in old cottages and things like that. Their grandparents might have one or their great-grandparents might have had one. Um, it's quite distinctive. It's a, it's a three-legged chair, not something that we would, I suppose, see commonly in this day and age um, in our homes. But it was made out of material that was available locally. It could have been oak, it could have been ash, it could have been pine, essentially. Um, and there's different variations of it, as I said, per, depending on the locality. So some of them will have arms, some of them will not have arms. Um, there are some versions that are painted and so on. Um, so it's quite an interesting chair and one I'd say that people are familiar with if they if they Googled it or went to the museum to have a look at the examples there. Um, but they mightn't be familiar with the name per se. Now, some of the artists that have designed the chairs that are in this exhibition in the National Museum of Ireland in Castle Bar uh, have taken what looks like a very simple brief to begin with, a three-legged chair, but actually there's a huge range of designs, of influences, of materials. Tell us a little bit about some of them. Yeah, so we we asked the students that we have in ATU Connemara to, I suppose, explore this old Irish chair and, and look at its key elements and, and redesign it for um, a modern-day house. It's something that we would all, all live in now. And some students were maybe overly inspired by the... the So on this particular chair, the rear leg continues right up into the back of the chair. So it's a singular piece that acts as a back and a rear leg. And so a lot of students would have been heavily inspired by that and played around with its shape and form to kind of manipulate it into either more comfortable um, designs where they might have added cushioning to it or some of them could have have actually bent laminated it, which would be more familiar with what you would see in Scandinavian furniture. Mm. Um, we had other students who explored the use of manufactured boards, so plywood that was cut on the CNC, um, a computer numerical control machine, basically, that they complete drawings and it, 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 it pumps out the shapes that they want and they created a chair um, from this plywood. So the, the variety that the students created was really diverse and it was really driven by the individual students and their interests. 
Now, one of the things that came to my mind when I looked through some of these exhibits uh, and I'd kind of pinged there for no reason that I could discern was was churches. Um, And I I don't know why, but I think it is because it reflects, you know, you see in a lot of churches where the chairs where the priests sit. Is there a reason for that or, or am I imagining it? And there certainly is, I, I think, the silhouette of the chair, um, in, I suppose, links back to what you would see on a, on a priest a priest chair within the church or up, up on the pulpit, essentially. And, and I think it's got to do with the style of the back, like you've got a tall back yeah. on that chair, which isn't as common maybe in some of our, our homes, the dining chairs that we would see in this day and age. It's also got to do with, I think, the... the the simplicity of the materials that in it, like it's a very simple chair, the original one, and, and it's got a, a quite a strong visual um, back on it, and, and that certainly links with what you would see on, on in a church on um, mm. uh, and that type of furniture, essentially. Do you find that people nowadays, um, Davin, I, there's this huge interest because we've lots of uh, furniture makers on the show from time to time yeah. and they are all about kind of the, uh, reviving old crafts and artisan work and sustainable material and all that. Do you find that the current generation of students are, are interested in that side of things? Uh, certainly, like uh, every student has a different background and a different interest and we would always embed sustainability and circular design concepts within our briefs and to try and, I suppose, educate the students but also encourage them to engage in that process. And so some of our students will obviously take much more of an interest in it than others and they may, we'd, we'd always have students who kind of upcycle things, we'd have students who use found objects within um, projects and then we go right up to you'd have students who would design um, for what we call disassembly they design products that could be uh, manufactured made used by a consumer and then if there was a problem parts could be removed and they could be repaired or at the end of the the product's life the whole piece could actually be disassembled into mm. its core components and recycled um, and so certainly there is a more of an awareness in the younger generation of of the environmental impacts of manufacturing products and even the need to start considering can we manufacture things more locally and things that will last a bit longer and people will, um, I suppose, maybe pay a little more for something if they know they're going to have an heirloom-type object within mm. their home. Mm. And uh, I think it's wonderful to see the uplift in apprenticeships and in crafts like this because there was a time when we thought all that might have been dying out and a lot of those skills would have been lost. So do you see a resurgence in that now from the students that are coming into ATU at the moment? Absolutely. Well, just just in the last um, two years, we've actually started delivering apprenticeship blocks in, in ATU Connemara, which is something we hadn't done before. And so we deliver those blocks kind of three three times a year um, one of the, their education blocks in wood manufacturing and finishing. Um, and so we have that cohort of students on campus and we also have our own, obviously, industry um, students on campus who go and work within the wood, wood and manufacturing industry in Ireland. And so there, there is, at the moment, you know, we're very proud to say we have 100% employment of our students, of our graduates. There is a constant demand from companies that they're looking for. for Isn't students. that fantastic? And what kind of jobs are they getting, Davin? Um, you, everything from you'd have people setting up as bespoke designer makers of furniture, who I'm sure you, you've had mm-hmm. on the show in the mm-hmm. past, and then right up to you'd have people um, managing large companies and production lines, everything from hotel fit-outs, offices. Um, we'd have people working for a couple of companies in the north who fit out cruise liners and super yachts. Um, you know, it's, it's 
you could have people doing CAD technician roles, keep people running CNCs. Um, the, the education that they get in ATU Connor is very diverse, and it allows the student to, I suppose, find the niche within our industry that that interests them most, and then they end up working in those roles. Wonderful. And of course, they're doing it all in the fabulous landscape and scenery that is out there uh, in uh, your campuses. Well, look, Davin, where can people find out more about these and have a look at some of the exhibits? How, when is it running? It's free, of course. It's free, of course. Yeah. So this is, it was a joint project between the National Museum of Ireland, um, who have uh, their Country Life Museum based in Turlock Park, just outside Castle Bar. Um, the exhibition is called Our, Our Irish Chair and it's actually running until the 31st of March um, and it's free to, free to enter and there's an exhibit of the collection of, of chairs that the museum has collected over the years so they've never been exhibited in one place they're all on show here alongside I think there's uh, either seven or eight of our student chairs there at the moment as well and a couple of other additional chairs from other uh, furniture makers in Fantastic. Ireland. Fantastic. All right and of course you can uh, visit uh, museum.ie to have a look at the details of all of that. Uh, Davin Larkin, designer and furniture design lecturer at ATU Connemara. Thanks for joining us on The Home Show this morning. Now, if you fancy cooking your mum or the mother figure in your life a gorgeous meal, whether it's a lovely breakfast in bed or a full roast with all the trimmings, well, my next guest, Russell Alford, one half of the gastrogaze.com and Sunday Times food critic, is here with me with all of the tips. Uh, Russell, you're very welcome to the home show. Good morning, Sinead. Very nice to be here. Now, um, Mother's Day and Mothering Sunday and all of that, um, it like it is a time when we do like to acknowledge whether it's a grandmother, an aunt, our own mum or, you know, maybe a stepmom or something like that. What do you uh, like to do on this day? And now, no pressure now yeah, uh, if, if your mum is listening. I know my mum will be listening and she'll be taking notes going, he never does any of this stuff, so let's pretend. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, don't, I don't live with um, my mum and dad anyways, but um, if when I was younger, it would be a nice little thing of, uh, you know, breakfast in bed or like trying to do a nice cake or something along those lines. Yeah. And um, I'd often, I try to just treat around food because I'm obsessed with food anyway, so and <laughs> Naturally, in the job that I do, so a natural know, feeder, natural feeder, food-related <laughs> gifts, uh, food, you know, whether it's vouchers, whether it's chocolates, whether it's you know uh, uh, anything edible, really. Uh, that's my normal status for everything. Okay, so if we're kicking off with breakfast in bed, then yeah. what's going to make it extra special? So it is such a cliche thing for Mother's Day, but it is a quite a nice thing. Like even mm. like I'm thirty something and I enjoy breakfast in bed from time to time. <laughs> uh, so it is a very special thing. You know, the staples are the best. Let's not go over the top let's not go too crazy with things you know the simple things like yogurts juices smoothies uh, a yogurt with a nice granola and there's so many great granolas mm, in the mm. supermarkets and in the uh, independence as well you can also get so many frozen pastries you don't need to faff around get them on the Saturday afternoon if you live in the likes of Dublin or you live in Dingle and you've got like Bacchus or you've got Bread 41 in Dublin respectively you can get beautiful ones, get them on Saturday and hopefully they'll be perfect still on Sunday. But you can not nip into Dunn stores. They're f- simply better frozen range yeah. of pastries. Yeah. The all-butter croissants there are sensational. I absolutely love buying them whenever I can. Uh, likewise, Marks & Spencer's great uh, frozen pastries that taste just like the yeah. in-store bakery too. So, you know, those little things, that smell wafting through the house, you know, that's that's a lovely feeling to Wonderful. wake up to, isn't it? I remember my first breakfast in bed that I got for my kids for Mother's Day and it comprised of... Um, 
I don't eat cereal. So uh, cornflakes mm. with hot milk and two Ritz crackers. Oh, I wow. mean, it was eclectic. See, Ritz crackers, <laughs> you know, that, there's a, spe- there's a special level of savoury with Ritz think, crackers. Isn't I there? think they were about seven and, and or less. And I, I, I was kind of thinking, uh, all I could think was, A, how am I going to get through this without throwing up? But B, how do they eat the milk? Now I'm worried about my kitchen. Anyway, don't be like me, people. The, right, yeah, okay. the trauma of that okay. is over. Now, um, you can't beat a roast yep. dinner and a roast lunch and all of that and giving it Sunday and yep. blah, blah, blah. So, um, in terms of roasts lamb I suppose this time of year or is it a bit, a bit would you go somewhere else this time of year is such perfect lamb weather yeah. you know we're coming into spring and it's great and it's such a seasonal uh, dish you know if, if you're a forager and you like going exploring some wild garlic as well with lamb goes really well together but if not the classic some mint sauce and the likes it can be quite intimidating to cook um, you know I have to always remind myself as someone who cooks for a living and <laughs> everything like that I have to remember that not everyone is in the similar position and I always try and think of little cheaty ways of making life easier and so many craft butchers around the country are fantastic for having you know very clear packaging uh, on on their cuts and everything it's become such a Mm. thing in butchers now Mm. as this added value product Mm. okay you might spend a a little bit more on it but actually you're getting it in a a foil tray where you can cook it instructions and pre-seasoned so it's like sticking it in the oven really isn't it exactly and that's what what the joy of it is when when it comes to things I know the likes of uh, James Whelan Butchers uh, which have branches all over the country they have so many ready-made ideas and centrepieces you know whether Mm. it's like a little pie whether it's like uh, little cushions and pastry type of things whether it's uh, a roast but the instructions are clear as anything because it can be so intimidating you have to I think it's always the mentality too that so many people especially in their 30s might have been you know first time buyers of a home they mightn't get the chance to host a Christmas because that's the parents job (laughs) so Mother's Day Easter's Father's Day and actually putting together a a roast lunch it's not that the cooking is hard but it's about timing isn't it and getting everything to land Mm, at the same time the potatoes aren't still in the oven and the meat's ready to go and all that. Um, Okay, great. So you you really can't go wrong with the roast. But, so you've forgotten to do all that. You've forgotten to buy anything. Mother's Day is upon us. Any, if you you really don't want the stress of it and you just think, oh, let's just go out. And there's nothing like giving mum a treat and bringing her out somewhere. I'll be bringing my own mum out tomorrow. Uh, Where, any particular restaurants now? Because I know you've been you've been bombing around looking at restaurants for the last while. And uh, where would you recommend? So I, my job as a food critic is fantastic because I get to eat in all sorts of places. And uh, Patrick and I, in our reviews, were very conscious of making sure we go all around the country as much as possible. Uh, for example, if we go out to Galway. On a Sunday in particular, Lignum, it's going to be a restaurant that you'll be hearing a lot about. It's about cooking on over fire. This is, uh, you know, fine dining quite casual in its service but still those standards are met and it's a fantastic restaurant um, on a Sunday they do a Sunday lunch offer now it's very different from the you know 10, 12, 15 course tasting menu that you might get every <laughs> other night which is also fantastic but if you can have a table tomorrow for that you're in heaven it's going to be a beautiful setting it's in the middle of uh, forests and trees and it's in a very scandy wooden setting Gorgeous. and it's a beautiful beautiful spot okay. if we're moving then around the country so maybe a bit more casual I'm going to Nace. There's a relatively new restaurant there called Neighbourhood. And we reviewed it back in uh, early February. You were very impressed. Very, very impressed. It was a beautiful, beautiful spot. Um, Gorgeous interiors. Brilliant service. Brilliant food. Um, And what I really like about it is that it's very convivial. It's very... 
together. It's a lovely place to bring a group of friends or your family, sit around a big table. On Sundays, they do brunch as well uh, as their dinner service too. And you can get big like sharing steaks, bit of fish that you can share amongst the table. And that's a very nice way. I love family style kind yeah. of food these yeah. days, especially it's good for food waste in particular because people A lot don't. of restaurants have kind of veered towards that, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, you can get sharing platters and sharing plates and all of that. That's just a very casual way. As long as yeah. you're not with somebody who's far too greedy and yeah. takes the lion's share. This is why I don't go out with many people for dinner <laughs> because I'm like, I'll have everything and I'm going to try absolutely yeah. everything. Um, so that's a really great, that's Neighbourhood in Nace and it's a, it's a really great shout. Um, and then on the casual end, I'm going down to Cork on, mm. for this one and Good Day Deli um, at a Nano Nago place. Mm. This is a great brunch spot. It's really... Uh, Beautiful just, building, it's isn't a beautiful it? yeah, building, and even yeah. just thinking of it, I just am beaming with smiles because it's just such a gorgeous space. The food is very um, fresh, very vibrant, colourful, exciting, and it's all about local, seasonal, great food and great ingredients. Uh, have you seen a huge uptake? Because I think we've all experienced it now with the vegan and the vegetarian uh, menus, and everybody's trying to eat a little bit lighter, and maybe mom is trying to to eat a little bit lighter. You know. Environment aside, it's actually a really good option, isn't it? It is. And there's so many um, cooks around the country who are getting really experimental. It's You know, I think we've moved away from the usual risotto and pasta and that's it. There's a lot of inventiveness with vegetables going on. Again, in Cork, you've got Paradiso, which is a fantastic uh, uh, vegetarian restaurant that I highly recommend. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot with a nice tasting mm. menu. Again, a very special spot to go to. Um, and then you get the likes of Overend's Kitchen down at Dundrum. In Airfield. In Airfield yeah. State. Yeah. You know, they're using uh, fruit and veg from the garden that they have there. The amazing space that they're working with. Now, one of the things during COVID over those dreaded years, one of the the good news stories was all of the restaurants that you could go and get meals and cook them at home mm. and have them at home. And I remember getting a particularly good one from the Porthouse yes. <clears throat> restaurant mm. and it was like a box mm. of joy, really. Mm. If you had kind of a modicum of talent and you were, had a little bit of mm. ability, you could really show it off. Absolutely. Are there places still doing that, Russell? There's very, very way? few. And during the pandemic, I think even some um, listeners who might be familiar with the name Gastrogaze probably did come along, come, come uh, across our guide on food boxes and the likes. And over the time, we've just seen it dwindle, dwindle, dwindle yeah. away. And it's yeah. completely understandable. The resources that it takes to do that while coupling it with a restaurant is quite yeah. difficult. What I do know, up in Northern Ireland, there's one called Hara at Home. So Hara was a restaurant just outside Belfast. Uh, the exact location escapes me at this moment, but they are uh, currently doing at-home kits if you're in and around the area and okay. it looks sensational. It's really good. Anything special you can do now to dicky up the home, the table, mm-hmm. have something looking nice because that's a big part of it, isn't it? And it, you like to walk in and feel special. Yes, and it's I think as well with social media we're all consumed by all these beautiful palettes of things on Pinterest and Instagram and then there's reality um, and I think seeing the nice ideas of like nice tablecloths and everything use what you have have a little rummage through you'd be surprised how many nice napkins you might have you don't need to necessarily theme it or anything just think very simple things when laying a table in particular I always get stressed out when I see height with big pots of plants and candles and everything because then I'm like you're looking, looking around 
walking around, a bit like the mic stands in the studio were kind of like this. So I'm kind of very conscious of that. So I'm like lots of tea lights, little low level things. Use up uh, old jam jars, put some water and tie a ribbon on it and put the flowers in there and then it's all nice and low. And also, and I'm a huge believer in this, about landing zones on the the table when when doing things. All right, what's that fancy. (laughs) Basically, when you're laying the table, put your wooden boards out if you're going to do, say, a family style roast, for example. Put all your boards in place all along the table. Then that way when, you know, whether it's the leg of lamb or the slices of roast beef come on, uh, come out of the kitchen, you're not going, okay, now let's move the entire display out of the way. Yeah. You have the space for it to go on, pop it okay. down and it's ready to go. And so it's part put, of the put decoration. that on first. Yes, build around oh, okay. those Good zones. Idea. And Good it just, idea. it just for me, I, I remember, do, I remember for my first Christmas hosting uh, my family, I didn't do this and it was chaos. And then my second Christmas hosting, I was like, I'm going to put all the trivets and all those wooden boards down now peaceful. Because that means you can put your little jam jars and your tea lights and your candles around them rather than having to exactly. having to move them and exactly. include the water jugs and the wine and the glasses and all of that thing. Exactly. Now, are you a big fan of the old fuss? Do you like all the different cutlery and several glasses or should you go all out for that? No, because when you're hosting you also have to clean it. <laughs> uh, so I'm like minimal, clean your own, use it again, you know, keep it. Look, it's all about keeping things simple. Um, you know, I know I know my, my mother in particular is amazing that she, she loves the effort that I'd put in for something like this yeah. but she also would be, be like special. could you get out of the kitchen and we could just chat and sit <laughs> and not be stressed out and don't be fussing over me or anything like that so yeah. yes happy Mother's but Day but you Bernadette will you tomorrow. will fuss <laughs> over her and she should be fussed yes, over absolutely uh, okay so final question now um, Russell because uh, I know uh, I you know, in the world of journalism and lots and lots of people who read your column in the Sunday Times, they think, A, I could do that and B, that's like the best job ever. <laughs> uh, is it, tell us the downside to being a restaurant critic. <laughs> um, what, if you can think if of one. <laughs> oh no, the, the downside is that for, so Patrick and I got the job of uh, Sunday Times reviewers in the, 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 the November was our first column and ever since then our way of cha- eating has completely changed. So now we Instead of just going, leaving a restaurant and going, wasn't that nice? We're sitting in the car, arguing every dish back and forth, back and forth, trying to decipher it. Was that of the standard we hoped it would be? Were you disappointed by this? How would you rate that initially? And then we'd go home, write it all out. And then suddenly it's like, OK, maybe on reflection, those words don't match the score and trying to figure it all out. And yeah, it just trivialises it. But also, it's so much fun to eat right. as a my, job. My heart bleeds. I know, it's right. terrible. No, Having okay. to talk. It's terrible. No, it's a great oh, fun okay. job. <laughs> all right. Well, Russell Adford, Alford, one half of thegastricgaze.com and Patrick Hannon, of course, being the other half. And you can catch them on Instagram at gastricgaze. All right. Fantastic. Great tips there. Um, and I hope that uh, Bernadette has a lovely mother Day and I'm sure she will just to see you. And a very welcome back to the Home Show podcast this week with me, Sinead Ryan. Now, former Home of the Year winner and tiny house aficionado Jennifer Sheehan is back from her travels once more and joins us in studio. It's good to see you, Jen. Where have you been? I've been in the USA Uh, and I didn't see very many tiny houses. No. Just a lot of very big things. Houses, cars, everything. Exactly. Now, what part were you in? Because it wasn't the kind of the usual, uh, you weren't there for the Oscars, you weren't (laughs) in New York. (laughs) I didn't get the nod for the Oscars this year. I suppose. I don't know. Maybe I just got lost in the mail. I was kind of everywhere. I flew into Bozeman, Montana, near Yellowstone National Park. Shout out to my friend Lauren for hosting me. 
we skied around there for a couple of days. We drove down through Idaho into Wyoming and went to Jackson Hole, <gasps> Wyoming. Did yeah, you? Well, very that's fabulous. Posh. Very posh, very fab. Then I flew back via Seattle, I had a full day flying around the Space Needle, did a tour of Pike Place Market, my new favourite place in the world, and then now I'm home. Right. Well, we are delighted to have you back and that you've come back to tell us all about that. Now, I know you when you go away, which is quite often, (laughs) you don't just do the touristy things and go into the monuments and take your photographs. You like looking at architecture and interior trends and all, because you can't stay away from it. I like poking around people's houses. Who doesn't? Talk to me. Now, so you were in the kind of the Midwest. So when we think of that, we think of large ranches, you know, the covered bridges. Yes. Of Madison County or wherever. And, you know, sprawling kind of spaces and all of that. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about maybe some things that you saw that, because we like that look, yeah. you know, and it's kind of yeah. cosy look. And it's gotten huge at the moment, that real ranch style, that barn style. Anyone who watches Yellowstone out there, highly recommend it set in Montana. So, but there's been an evolution, I would say, and a real, uh, a positive evolution, well, from my perspective as somebody who, who's not from there, um, because a lot of the kind of San Francisco tech types are decamping and the whole area is getting a bit of an injection, let's say, of um, of new life, new new money, <laughs> new mm-hmm. blood, whatever it might be. Working from so home. Things are evo- working from home. Yeah, mm-hmm. working from home. So things are evolving. So there was lots of those. There was quite a stark juxtaposition, I would say, architecturally um, of those two, you know, the old and the new styles. So the older styles, you know, they've got those as you said, the big ranch with the deck wrapped all the way around it and the kind of ornate trimming around the edges and shutters at the front door and all that kind of stuff and all sorts of accessories and paraphernalia everywhere. What I saw in the newer buildings was it was much more that kind of much more simplified barn style. So, you know, if you just take like a Pentagon, right, two, two, you know, a floor, two upright walls and then the roof just just coming in on top of each other with no overhang and, and no decorative trimming and very much that kind of... Um, that iron uh, steel Girders, exterior, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Usually in that kind of matte black or that bluish black color. Although I saw quite a few different colors. I saw some reds, some kind of burnt ambery colors. I saw yellow. I saw a pink. Uh, so people are exploring with that kind of that steel exterior. Is that like a kind of just a loft style feel yeah. without being a loft? Okay. And it's lovely inside because they they really are they're so airy and they're so big and they've got those huge pitched roofs with the you know exposed beams going across them. So there is there's they haven't completely abandoned anything. They haven't done a full you know move away from mm. from that older style. They've because taken it forward into a more modern look. To me, there's nothing that makes a room look bigger than height. Yeah. It's not about size Agreed. really. It's about how high it feels when you're in it yeah. and, and it makes a big difference. Yeah. So in terms of the textiles and all of that, so, yeah. so like locally you'd be looking at things like hide, like weaving, yes. um, you know, whatever's whatever that part of America, is, Americana yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. Because you do need the textiles because a lot of it is quite, you know, hard material. You've got the concrete and the steel and the wood everywhere and that's lovely. But balancing it out with, as you said, those animal hides, so cowhide, sheepskin, lots of leather, even, you know, soft leather. One thing I saw a lot of, and I don't know if it's always been there or if this is a revival, is those Navajo textiles, those, you know, uh, original um, uh, American Indian pattern, weaved patterns. They're kind of geometric patterns. They're usually in these really lovely um, earthy warm colours those kind of reds and, and burnt ambers and those mm. yellows and, and everything like that so I saw them everywhere rugs throws wall hangings blankets everything they, they were beautiful 
And are they still like putting up the old animal trophies and the horns yeah. and the deer heads and all that kind of thing? Because Everywhere. The amount you, you of antlers and deer heads, all I that, know. And I, I have to say, I would hope a lot of those were synthetic because there was just too many. I mean, they were all over the place. There was, I was in, in Wyoming, there's a full archway of, of antlers, which I think is real into, into the park in the centre of, of Jackson Hole. I saw things like chandeliers or lamp holders made out of, of antlers and horns. A lot of wall hangings, a lot of hunting conquests, yeah, let's say. Which big, they're big into that still, aren't yeah. they? A little bit off-putting, is but it? But it's a, for me it would be it's not for everyone mm. um, you know I'm, I'm sure some people would, would, would feel similar it's just a bit much Well of course the, the argument is look the, these animals are being slaughtered for meat which we're happy enough to eat Exactly So yeah. taking the antlers off is, yeah. is hardly you know it's in one sense it's using it kind Yeah of t- t- and I'm being hypocritical because I'm not a vegetarian and I have a cowhide rug but I, I, I would hope that as much that the ones that I saw there are animals that were reared ethically had a good life and that this is a result a of using everything yeah, rather than yeah, just you yeah. know all yeah, right okay yeah. any celebrities in Jackson Hole you want to tell us about I didn't see any well you were there I didn't see any <laughs> Sorry, yes, now, while you were there. over there, of course, with the week that's in it, did you have a chance to have an old green pint? Did you find an Irish <laughs> pub over there for Paddy's I Day? passed so many Irish pubs. This drives me. I don't know if I love this or hate this. Obviously, look, it's in, it's Patrick's weekend. Nowhere does it bigger than America. Nowhere. I was right? in Budapest not long ago and I thought finally somewhere that doesn't have an Irish pub. And as I was thinking it, I turned the corner and there was yeah. one of them. Yeah. Oh, I don't like it. Anyway, go on. You, you I found didn't a few pass of them, did a town where there wasn't an Irish no. pub. There were no. everywhere. And is it Irish or it's is it is Irish. it anything? Yeah. Leprechaun the, hats. The, I, now, I didn't go into any. I, I have a bit of... I, I'm not against them. There's certain times when you're away and sometimes having a little bit of home isn't the worst thing. Mm. Um, I didn't on this trip go into any. But... I did find it interesting that I saw so many. And so I looked into why there are, there's over 7,000 Irish pubs all over the world. And it's because we flat pack them and we export them. Oh no, that's even worse. <laughs> there isn't a traditional stick of fur. They're probably as or more ubiquitous than, than McDonald's, mm. but it's not a franchise. They're not owned. They, they are all privately yeah, owned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting concept. Uh, yeah, so so what is the aesthetic? I mean, I use that word very lightly. Uh, <laughs> when you come across an Irish pub, we, we've kind of all been past one or yeah. been in one. Uh, certainly if there's a match on, there's nowhere better to watch it if you happen yeah. to be abroad than in an Irish pub. And you do want that, A, because you know it's going to be on and B, you know. True. But, but the aesthetic is, it is, it is all a bit kind of wolf tony and flags yeah. and kind of spit in the floor wood yeah. kind of, isn't that so that stuff is all manufactured it? and that can be sent so yeah. there, there was a guy in the 70s Mel McNally and he was an architect and he did a, stu- a project in college and he was told to look at a piece of Irish architecture and he chose the pub and it ended up being a huge success and he, there was an exhibition and he started a company called the Irish Pub Company and he kind of distilled that aesthetic down into about eight different styles they, they change a bit over the years so he has the old shop Ye oldie Irish shop, you know, where you can go in and you can mm. buy all your groceries and then it's also a pub. Then he has, you know, that more modern Irish gastro, all the lovely stuff is there style. There's also the kind of Victorian style where you've got, you know, your little snugs and your polished timber and your your dark woods and all the kind of ornate brass trimmings and all that kind of stuff. Um, and a few others, brewery country, kind of a real Celtic style as well. So 
they are literally just kind of packed up and shipped, which is yeah. which is interesting. Um, having said that, not bad for our economy. It gets us, you know, a lot of our our alcoholic companies get to to ship a lot of their stuff abroad. So mm. you know, Diageo Some of have it more successfully than others. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Um, but but it was interesting to kind of pick apart those elements and see, you know, because you recognise it instantly, yeah. don't you? What makes yeah. it Irish? Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of the the font. You over don't the need door. the O'Neill or O'Connor over the yeah. door. You can kind of spot it from the end of the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It's that wood. It's that brass kind of um, trimming it's that uh, it's the little pot-bellied stoves maybe it's you know all the little items up on shelves and the posters Do you think then that when these you know Wyoming or Idaho people (laughs) rock up in Dublin <laughs> or wherever and they walk into some sleek super modern gastro pub that they're like a little bit disappointed I'd say so but sure we have enough of the lovely old style pubs yeah. you know I'd send them down to the long hall and they'd get everything they ever wanted in yeah. terms of classic Irish pubs so. they might bump yeah. into David Beckham you never know I mean, he was there <laughs> recently was, was. Yeah, Okay Alright so um, the Irish pub is here to stay The Irish pub is going nowhere, nowhere. They are right. everywhere right. They are right. everywhere and your Midwestern interiors now are lots of comfort things and the textiles and yeah. the blankets and don't worry about the antlers they're probably well sourced right. Right. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's Home Show podcast Delighted to be here And Jennifer you can be found on Instagram At Workers Cottage At Workers Cottage Thanks a million Thanks for listening to the Home Show podcast this week I'm Sinead Ryan and remember if you'd like to get involved or get in contact with us well you can do so by texting us at 53106 for 30 cent or email the show at thehomeshow at newstalk.com We're always interested in possible guests and topics that you, our listeners, would like us to cover and we're happy to get those suggestions. You can listen to The Home Show live every Saturday morning from 8am to 9am. Thanks to Eva Breen producing today on sound to Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy and we'll be back with another episode next week. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.